from the USSF-approved territories of Georgia and Kentucky, and also from the FIFA-approved territory of Brooklyn. This is the Monday Review. I'm Adam Bells. I've got Vince and Walkie with me today, and we're doing the Monday Review. We do them every week for patrons, but only occasionally on the public feed. Let's start with Queen Elizabeth. Her death at the age of 96 on Thursday led to the cancellation of all English soccer games this weekend. What do you guys think of that? Well, I think we're all... Our first reaction was to be a little bit put off by it. Mm -hmm. But then we got some perspective, you know. And it seems fine now. And she seemed fine to me. Yeah. What uh, what so is what perspective have you gained that that I don't know that makes I, I, I don't know it's just hard to talk about a, <laughs> an, a very old lady dying and uh, and then that people are like tweeting about it apparently there's politics involved I'm overwhelmed mm. yeah she seemed fine she didn't she seemed pretty calm <laughs> she didn't seem like she was a big yeller I think I would have gotten along great with her and I'm well, sad well, she's dead she was she was old uh, like our entire life. So, so of course she looked, uh, she seemed, uh, tranquil, very yeah. calm. You know, just... I didn't dig in much. I didn't need to. I felt like I got everything I needed from just a little picture of her kind of smiling, I guess, but she's gone now and we're just going to have to move on with it, you know? Yep. Yeah. Although England Man. now goes to the world cup without, without an alive queen. Mm. So, and I you think know. You know, some people have suggested that this is, uh, this is going to inspire them, but those people haven't thought about King Charles and how little yeah. he's going to inspire them. So like, yeah. you know, they lost a queen, but they gained a king. And I don't know, from untested their perspective. Waters. Untested waters for them. They've never been in with a, with a king before. If I've done my reading of an article correctly. doesn't have quite the same ring to it, to me. Uh, I'm, I'm, so I'm going to need a scuffed English correspondent with uh, boots on the ground to, to let me know how much the, the queen slash king inspires in, in everyday life. <laughs> we just don't know. We, honestly, we well, just Harry don't Kane, know. Harry Kane is, I think, fairly inspired. By right, right. Yeah, yeah. Harry, Kane, Harry Kane's the type of dude. You know what I'm saying? Harry Kane's the type. Jordan Pickford. Well, Harry Maguire. Meg, Meg Swanick has done a bunch of things where she goes over there and talks to them. I think maybe she should go talk to them about... Mm about the queen and the king and all that ahead of the world cup, just so that we can get a better sense of it. What a fascinating thing. Hereditary monarchy is though. You know what I'm saying? Bro, it's crazy. And in, in, in 2022. So ancient. Yeah. So visceral. Yeah. Anyway. So no Leeds, no Chelsea, no Norwich city, no Fulham, no crystal palace. It's uh, remarkable how central the FA has become to our Monday reviews and how at the mercy of its whims we are. Yeah. I feel like if we were doing this a year ago, it'd, we'd talked about Pulisic and then a bit of a mention for Jedi. And that would have been it. Barely impacted our lives. This week, though, times have changed. Yeah. Yep. And, and I would say, that like, Arsenal just announced that we're not playing PSV this week. Um, we're supposed to play PSV in the Europa League. And, 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 and that's probably the biggest um, impact is just a, a, a lack of Matt Turner matches. You know, they, they were already going to come at a premium, but he was probably going to be the Europa group stage. Oh, um, now keeper. this is starting to affect us personally, and I'm going to get my back up a little bit here. They're canceling Europe games too. Uh, I, 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 I felt like, you know, let's cancel a weekend, overshadow 9 11, remember it's a little bit. That's, that's fine. We're a little bit annoyed by it, but. It's just how the timing worked out. But if they're going to now cancel another week of Europe games, now I don't, I don't support this anymore. Well, the, however, the thing however, is... However, however pleasant of a lady she was. But the, you know, I, I'm worried that the parabola is going to be shattered again in a negative way, you know? That Josh Sargent's going to miss a, a weekend game and then he's going you know, to lose his mojo again. Oh, no way. I hadn't even thought about this until just now. Yeah, if there's a knock-on effect with the uh, Sergeant Parabola, that's a real problem. But Vince, you're thinking he, he has enough to carry through. Yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. The, the momentum the, the, the moment is just too much. You know what I'm saying? Not even a, uh, not even a very untimely and inconvenient death. Can, uh... <laughs> well, it was timely. She was 96. <laughs> it was, I would say it was timely, but it was certainly inconvenient for our soccer watching. Yeah, it could have happened in the summer, you know. That would have been, or during the World Cup. Or could she, she like also could have just like left a note, 
like I'm it's been an honor being your queen. I'm very proud of everything I've done. Don't cancel any soccer games this weekend. Let's make it let's make note. it a celebration. She didn't do that. Maybe she secretly yeah. wanted them to cancel all the games. She's like, yeah. if I don't leave a note, they'll probably cancel all the games and that'll be that'll be nice. Might have, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if she left a note, she just hit it really well. Kind of covering yeah. all of her bases be. there. Yeah. Yeah, like so so note writing is definitely a 96-year-old venture. You know, it's, it's something. Yeah. My grandma I guarantee there's tons of notes she's left. We just need to right. <laughs> Giovanni Reina versus RB Leipzig is the first order of business. Waki, why don't you start us off? Well, he had a really good quick cross. First timed it with the left foot after getting behind on that, that side down there. And once I saw that, I felt really good for the whole, not the whole weekend, but it was just nice to see something really sharp out of him. It was very sharp, including the uncharacteristically decisive off-ball movement, the run down the line. To, yeah. to entice Jude Bellingham to play it to him. And that left-footed cross, it was a rope right at Anthony Modeste. Yeah. Gives him a good chance to score on the volley. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, we should say he followed that later with, a, I think, a really bad attempt at a first-time pass that kind of went straight out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But it was kind of one of those, if it's, it was bad enough, you kind of just completely discount it. You don't even think about it anymore. So I just threw that out of my mind and just carried on with that really good cross through the next phase of the game. Yep. Fair, fair. And he's out there, you know, next phase doing good long dribble glides in transition. And then a defender tries to catch up with him and he's, the defender's falling down while he's running in behind him. You know, he just like runs straight into Geo and the defender goes to ground and that's, that's classic Geo. I take a lot of positives from that. Yeah, if we're picking a play of the week for Americans abroad. Is it him knocking that guy down or is it him hitting a left-footed cross that was not finished for a goal? I have him knocking him down as my play of the week, the okay. scuffed play of the week. Thank you for, I was going to do a kind of a big segment about it, but you called it out now. And I think it's good that we're just getting out of the way. It just go in order. It has to be. You know, we've been talking about just in these um, cameos that he's made, just, you know, the, the lack of, uh, he, he hadn't opened it up all the way. He hadn't taken the governor off completely. Right. But as we keep seeing these uh, these cameos coming, you know, because Copenhagen in the in the midweek, this game against Leipzig, um, you can see he's starting to he's starting to get more comfy, starting to get more mm-hmm. comfortable in his body. Um, my, my boy is almost back. Yep. Yeah, I think. And exactly. The, Go ahead. There's a little bit there was a little bit of a reaction like, oh, this game wasn't that good. But for me, it's what Vince said. It's about getting comfortable in that body. And I think he did that today. <laughs> Dorman visits Manchester City on Wednesday, which is mm. uh, you know a big opportunity for Reina to play his his uh, his old teammate Erling Holland. Who knows if he'll be in the starting lineup? But um, it's the kind of game I think Giovanni will get up for. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that Marco Rosa was on the touchline for Leipzig. You know, he's just recently replaced Domenico Tedesco, and it's it occurs to me that at some point Reina is going to have been coached by every manager he plays against in Germany. You know, yeah. this is a, a revolving, sure. revolving door over there. They have such an aggressive rotation in Germany of coaches. And <laughs> yeah, too. so if he, he's going to hit them all. You're exact, exactly right. And I just want to stake my claim now that Gio Reyna is by far our best attacker for the U.S. men's national team. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, yes. Duh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess we, sure. should, we should mention the, the Copenhagen game, right? Because he was better in that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Greg and I talked about it on Friday, but we should, yeah, we should, we should mention he had two assists. They were both very, very nice. Yeah. So that's why people are saying this wasn't as good of a performance as the midweek one, because, you know, they lost 3-0 to RB Leipzig. The, the, the man can just wake up, get out of bed, and, and, and create some chances. That's right. You know, it, it's just, it's effortless. It's, you know, he, he, he completes that one-two, gets that cross in, it's just, boom. Right there. Whereas, you know, some other players that play for the national team, it, it just takes a lot of effort. A lot of effort, a lot of tries. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he, Gio can comfortably err on the side of lower effort. Right. Exactly. That's one of the advantages of talent, you know? <laughs> yes. Because he doesn't, I mean, that's what makes, I think, makes him so dangerous relative to the rest of the attackers on our team is he's like, He's just chilling, you know. He's he he's like those two passes for assists. 
they're both pretty simple passes if you know to make them, you know. Right. But but most people don't make those passes. Most most people are their heart rates pumping. They're they're getting all agitated when they get the ball in that position, and they do something stupid. I mean, even professional soccer players they do they do the less optimal thing. He's he seems to be at a point where he's just sort of calmly selecting the correct option, executing it flawlessly. And then, you know, basically closing his eyes and taking a nap as he trots back to the midfield line, you know? Yeah, basically. And, and I mean, I guess we should point out that he didn't necessarily choose the optimal decision on the, uh, on the carry, on the, no. on the glide of the transition where he dumped the guy. Um, because he, he got a little greedy. Um, yeah, he could have passed, couldn't he? Yeah. He might have been able to rack up another assist. But, you know, uh, it's neither here nor there. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to be 100%. And uh, you know, decision execution and so yeah, he, ca- he did kind of just kick the ball into the defenders, and it looked like he could <laughs> slip that ball over to the left. There is maybe what he should have done. Mm-hmm. Let's move to Jesus Ferreira. We take some, we take a small amount of sort of oblique criticism for not spending enough time on MLS players in the, in the Monday review, and I think we should start with Jesus Ferreira's brace against LAFC. Um, his season total is now. 18 goals, fourth in Major League Soccer. The first was a quick restart on a foul just outside the box on the end line. Ariola put it on the ground and played it quick and simple to Ferreira, who's kind of showing towards the corner flag. Ferreira lets it roll past him, and then I think toe-poked it hard past Maxine Crepeau, the LAFC keeper from a tight angle, hit it hard with the toe. Underrated technique. It's also possible he hit it with the top of his boot. I don't know. The TV angles weren't great. It was a nice finish. Second one came on a free kick also from a tight angle. He hit it at the far post, and I think it was meant to be a pass to the back post. But um, Gareth Bale got a nick to it with his head and just barely changed the trajectory of it, and it went over the keeper into the side netting instead of off to Crepo's right where he was diving. So I think that's a, that's a little bit of a lucky goal. But anyway, two goals. He also created a shot on... His own shot in the first half stepped around a guy when it was pulled back to him just inside the top of the box, and then but then he side footed it softly at Crippo. But we don't we don't care we don't care about that because he's getting the XG. He also did a lot of nice dropping and dealing against uh, ten man LAFC who were down a man because Ryan Hollingshead got a dog so red card for bringing Ariola down on a long ball. So he's he's keeping up at the very least in this mad rush for. The striker spot, which we, it's a position we had been worried about. Now so much is happening. We're, we're over the moon, really. Right. We are, we're spoiled for choice now. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Ricardo Pepe and playing against Cambor. We got a PFOC continuing to be a very successful Bundesliga striker. Union Berlin, top of the table. Unbelievable. Should we go to PFOC? Very, very unbelievable. But, uh, just, just real quick about Jesus. I just really love the the create his own shot thing. Yeah, it's just something that you don't really see too much from strikers. I mean, you got strikers maybe take a touch, get it out of their feet, smash it or something. But like he'll like he can, like Jesus can really just receive the ball at speed and just like step past a guy and get a shot off. Of course, we want to see you know him slide at home in that situation, but. um yeah, just, there's there's been some uh, discussion on uh, uh, Twitter in particular about this uh, sitter discourse. Is what I've seen it been described by. Do you guys have you guys been following this at all? Is this a potential area for discussion? What's the argument? I don't know. I saw Greg Velasquez getting into it. I didn't know if you guys are following along with that. It I think be- somebody posted a video of all of Jesus Ferreira's uh, shots for the U.S. and arguing that he misses too many easy ones or or doesn't put it put on frame when he could put it on frame. I don't know that I'm entirely unsympathetic to the point of view, but I do, you know, I do sort of trust the math. Basically. And I just don't know, like, I don't know. People are like, he just can't finish at this level. And it's like uh, when you're comparing a World Cup qualifier against El Salvador, and an MLS match against LAFC. Like, if he's doing it in MLS, 
I'm not saying he should, he should be able to do it at the World Cup level. But what I'm saying is you can't use these El Salvador matches or whatever the hell when you have the counterpoint of him doing well in the MLS. You know, those should cancel out, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the, the, one, the shot that he created for himself against LAFC was, um, I think, like you sort of said earlier, something that most of our strikers wouldn't be able to do. You know, they receive a pullback just inside the top of the box. Sergeant's probably just taking it first time and, and it's getting blocked by the defender in front of him. Old um, Sergeant would do that. New Sergeant would not. He would just bang it right into that top corner once the, the, the queen is, I guess she's still going to be dead, but once they start playing the hand <laughs> right. once, once she is officially six feet deep. Yeah. yeah. I'm afraid they're going to do another uh, national time of mourning when she is around her funeral, but, but I guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Oh. The... The um the thing is I I I I think maybe Sergeant would just you know he might new Sergeant might do better but I think typically he's not gonna he's not gonna do what Jesus did there and and like take a couple of clever touches and get around the guy and I and I don't think definitely not P Fox not gonna do that most most of our strikers aren't gonna do that the thing is once he gets to that point where he has the you know he's created the shot for himself. If you, if you, I would back Sergeant to put that in the back of the net more than I would Ferreira at that point. And I know this isn't science or math. I'm just telling you like my gut feeling about it. The thing is, Sergeant doesn't get to that point. Ferreira gets to that point, And then he just kind of, I mean, you saw, you guys saw the shot, right? He just kind of, yeah. yeah. he just kind of passed it to the keeper. So I don't know. It's complicated. He has some uh, subtle shots in his repertoire. So sometimes they will look like... <laughs> Yeah. Very tame passes to the keeper. They were he, tries like, to, uh, he tries to pass it in the corner a bunch. Yeah, he does. He should have yeah, toe poked it on that one. You, you got to remember this man's twenty one. Like I, I, I think I, I do think there's a possibility that we're looking at a real, a real, real player here. And you know he's he got given the DP contract. He got some tools put around put around him to succeed, and he's succeeding. So where where it goes from here, I mean, it is what it is. Like maybe he scores in the World Cup, maybe he doesn't. Um, we we shall see. But I I think we should not sleep on the like every everyone's just arguing about you know this cycle, the World Cup coming up, whatever. But do not lose fact. Uh, do not lose sight of the fact that Jesus potentially is a major major talent. Okay, I'm with it. Yeah, me too. Ricardo Pepe versus Camber. Uh, subbed on at the half for his Groningen debut. Remember, he's on loan from Augsburg, where he could not get regular minutes, um, and he's he's playing in the Eredivisie now. I thought his first four actions were all tidy, layoff, build-up type stuff. Nothing amazing, but looked crisp, better than he's looked for months. And yeah, to me, it was immediately noticeable. This is a better situation for him. Kind of looks more natural out there. And they even gave him the, the number nine jersey, which I'm. I'm kind of impressed by that he pulled that off. It's tough to go in on a loan and get the number nine straight away. Yeah, how do you do that? I don't know. I assume maybe the person who had it before left and they well, you get it now. But it's Holland a good is thing. such a Holland is such a unapologetic selling league. You know, they're just they're just moving people out all the time. Yeah, maybe it's an easy place to get the nine. <laughs> then, still an, it's still an achievement. No, yeah, for sure. I got none of us could go just like show up at a team in Yuri division and be given the number nine straight away. In the Yuri division? Is that what you called it? Yeah, the Yuri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I call it. That's how I pronounce it. So And I then apolog- I don't apologize for the way I pronounce their the Dutch league. No, you shouldn't. You should you should uh carry on. And then it was a Groningen throw in from deep, kind of maybe flicked on or dummied toward the center circle. Pepe's chasing it and one of the Comber center backs gets their first dinks it over Pepe's outstretched foot but then tries to play it back to his center back partner and Pepe's already running in that direction so he just he just collects it and actually he doesn't even collect it. He just plays a simple one-touch pass out to Suslov, his right-sided attack attacking partner. And he's off, makes a good far post run. Somebody else makes a near post run. Suslov ignores them both, cuts in on his guy and has one from the top of the box, uh, scores 
and that's the game winner, 1-0 on the road in the Eredivisie. It's an assist, but perhaps a little noisy, but still a good play from Pepe. Yeah, noisy, and but also the entire play too is related to other good things he had been doing in the half in terms of movement, and so those all aggregated together into it being, you know, a credible, creditable noise that it was created by it. Also, Suzlov is just the best possible name for an assistant attacker. <laughs> who I consider that's now what I consider Suzlov to be is Pepe's assistant. Yeah, there's noise, and then there's creditable noise, and I think this very firmly falls in the category of creditable noise. I'm going to agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's what I got. A little untidy toward the end of the game, but Groningen got the win. They faced Sparta-Rotterdam on Saturday. What it's always th- going to get sloppy at the end against Cambor. We've yeah, watched enough Eurovision to know that. Well, let me ask this. Is he, is he going to be on the September roster? I was feeling maybe it's a little bit too late, you know? Man, I was, I was going to say yes. If, uh, I don't know. If, if, if Jordy was a little bit hurt, like a, if he had to like miss the window, but he's back now. So I just don't know. That, uh, let's, let's think it's about it. It's a close call. It's a close call. So for, old, for old Greg Berhalter there, isn't it? Uh, well, you guys, what do you guys think? The, the thing is, if he's going to bring four strikers, um, I, I feel like uh, Rico would be the one that he would make an exception for. Yeah, you don't call four without him. Right. So we got, I'm with you on that. We got Jesus, Josh, Jordy. No, that's um, a good way to think about it. It's going to be three strikers unless, Pep, unless it's four. And if there's four, it's Pepe. Yeah. Pepe determines whether it's three or four. So we shall see. And you know he's worth it, you know, to have that flex position. I mean, I, I'm rooting for him. I want us to have a, a true Mexican-American star on the team. I know that, you know, people don't always want to hear that from me, but whatever. I want it. <laughs> Bell, Bell's, is a, Bell's is a huge peppy guy. Huge. I remember, like, <clears throat> when, uh, when we were watching the, um, the Costa Rica match together in Columbus. Uh-oh. We were watching the the Costa Rica the Costa Rica match together, uh, like at, at full time, like immediately out of out of all the players that played well in that match, Bell's just turns to me and was like, "Peppy man, Peppy was great." <laughs> no, if you remember, <laughs> no, he was just he was basically just fine in that game. <laughs> he did not score nor assist, uh, but Bell's was on it. I'm not even sure what I was referring to there. I mean, I I guess I'd have to go back and watch that game, but. I don't know. I don't know what I was. I don't know what I was talking about. Let's move to Jordy Jordan Pifak versus Colne. Um, Waki, take us away. Yeah, he had a moment of high class, a run, a little diagonal into some width there, then a deft little touch pass, magged the defender. Teammate scores. It took a deflection on it, so it didn't count as an assist. But I do count it as an assist, even though it was an own goal. So that was a little bit of a change of pace from him. He's normally not doing things like that. No. And then he did take a penalty labor that was saved. It was a bad penalty. We can, we can just run by this as quickly as possible. He basically just side-footed it straight to the keeper. Yeah, it was a little to the right, right? It was a little bit to the right. It wasn't anywhere close to enough to the right. You've got to kick it all the way into the corner there. Right. Yeah, when, 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 you're, when the keeper is just catching the, <laughs> it's just catching the pin, it's, it's not that good a pin. You're just comfortably falling to the ground and comforting it into his body there right using the ground right like a like a young baby i took one penalty kick in my in my playing career as a child and i missed it exactly like that so that was particularly hard to watch i cried after i took it Did not you cry not watching the game not watching the game i just backed when i was a child i didn't okay. cry this time okay but it is an intense memory never took a penalty after that again was never asked to oh chris i think partly it was the crying you know <laughs> Yo, you. Uh, I was Waki, like twelve, uh, so I I don't know. It seems like you have a lot of traumatic soccer experiences in your life. Yeah, I didn't just... enjoy playing soccer. It was very stressful. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm happy you stuck with it. I guess in in your transition I I, to watch, I, I quit. From... I quit. I quit playing soccer. I did not stick with it. But I'm glad to be now be uh, 
talking about it. Yeah, right, right. That's what I'm saying. You didn't swear it off completely. It's more fun to watch it than play, in my opinion. Which I've noticed most people probably don't agree with that. They probably like playing it more than watching. But it depends who you play with. I played some pickup yesterday because my league game got canceled, and I was playing with a bunch of, you know, people who don't play soccer that much, and it's not as fun. You end up just running around a lot and being frustrated. It's very, very tiring too. Yeah, that's how it goes. If you like, if you, if you hoop with like football players, it, it's not a good experience. A lot of bank football. shots. A lot of bank shots when you play with a lot, football. Players. A lot of bank shots. A lot of, lot of just fouls. A lot of, lot of are, bodying in the paint that down there. Yeah. I mean, not, not even just in the paint. You could be bringing the ball up and somebody's <laughs> just going to shoulder check you for no reason. And you try it. You're going to try and call a foul. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like, you're going to have to fight for this foul call. <laughs> uh, ho- hooping with football players is not recommended. Yeah. Anyway, so he missed the penalty. We were talking about. Um, right. P-fuck. I think it was good that we got into all of that. Um, but the rest of the game, I thought he was otherwise good moving around, posting up effectively. Including for, you know, he arrived for a good-headed chance at the six with the man on his shoulder. He didn't make it. He hit it a little bit wide. But it's about getting in those positions. Yo, he, then, he I mean, when, when Waki says there was a man on his shoulder, there, there really was a man on his shoulder. He was very much a man on his shoulder. It wasn't a slight man on his shoulder. He was all the way on him. That it wasn't a bad mischance. It just you could have seen him turning it a little bit and going in. Yeah, um, and 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 that's the reason why I'm I'm uh, warming up to Jordy. It's just the he he's a wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the amount of destruction that he leaves in his path is just it's commendable. Are we yeah, gonna call gonna him Jordy? There. Are we gonna call him Jordy? That's what I call him. Yes. Okay, because the yeah. commentators call him Jordan now. Obviously, everyone knows all the following the ins and outs of his different names. Uh, it, it is a, just a little bit of a weird situation where it says Jordan on his back. They call him Jordan, but his Twitter is it says call me P fuck. I think he just forgot to change that because he, he just came out with that. She'd change it to call me Jordan. He's he his formal statement was call me whatever you want a few weeks ago, right? Right. Which isn't oh, as no. strong as a Twitter name. Yeah, call me what you will. Uh, Union Berlin won and is first in the Bundesliga, as we mentioned. Just a miracle. I recant saying that they were going to get annihilated by Bayern uh, a week ago. They drew them. And then this past weekend, they beat Köln on the road. Köln's a good team in the Bundesliga right now. I think they're seventh. And I I had to notice, because it was a little confusing, because it looked a little bit like the Union Berlin stadium. But the setting for Köln Stadium is a lot like the one in Berlin. There's forests stretching out in one direction from it, and it looks lovely. I kept thinking I was watching a home Union Berlin game as well. So you were not, you were not alone on that. Yeah. It's very, it's very far from Berlin, though. It's actually, Köln is actually closer to Paris than it is to Berlin. Very close to the Netherlands. Dortmund, Eindhoven, Brussels. You know, I was talking last week about Sam Vines. And how I watched this game against USG because USG is a good team. And in Europa League play this week, USG won. Uh, it, it was a jordy list Union, but uh, they got the dub. USG got the dub, 1-0. Huh. And then uh, USG played, um, Union Saint-Gilloise played against um, Genk this weekend and lost 1-0. So they're kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Mark McKenzie's team, Gank. Let's talk about, um, we'll get to that, but let's talk about some midfielders. Yunus Musa versus Rayo Vallecano. My first instinct in the first half was we may have jumped the gun on Valencia being a flowing, exciting team to watch. It was a, yes. little, it was a little bit grim. Musa um, was mostly doing kind of, you know, lower profile mid work, uh, midfield work where you kind of drop back and pass it to someone. And then he did kind of have one pretty bad giveaway in there. It was one of those types where it was bad enough you kind of just forgive it. And then, you know, then he was just doing his normal Yunus Musa stuff this game. So it's like, was it, it's like the Reina one where you just, where you just, you act like it didn't happen? Yeah, basically exactly like that. And then it took probably 30, it was the 37th minute where the first satisfying stretch of soccer play happened. Yunus moved the ball quickly in a stretch of 
combination play and one of his teammates actually like juggled the ball up in the air at one point and then they played it forward. But other than that, it was a little bit slow out there. The big moment for me was to start the second half. Moose is combining near the sideline. Now he's kind of pulling a little central and then he gets played in behind and he goes down into the Manchester City zone, pulls a uh, great pass back exactly to an open teammate at the penalty. They just kick it over. That was the highlight. And then he, had, he did have a moment of flash where he, he kind of did a headed breakup in midfield. You know, one of those ones where you run out of the picture, out of the frame, like the television frame, and you just appear. Right. He kind of did one of those, headed it down, and now he does a deft little behind-the-leg heel pass, diagonal a little bit, forward to a teammate. It wasn't as good of his big moment, but that was his moment of, his moment of flash. And those are, I think, the two things you need to know about this weekend from Yunus Musa. Is you saying behind the leg heel pass uh, a way to avoid saying the word Rabona? No, no. It's it's a it's when I didn't know how to describe it. It's when the your plant foot is your left foot and the the foot you're kicking with is your right foot. But instead of kicking it in front of your left foot, you kick it behind your left foot. So it kind of goes around with your heel. It's hard to oh, do, and your okay, it okay. depends yeah, on your yeah. body position. Yeah, but yeah. he did he did you. one of those in pretty fast motion he didn't really come to anything but it's important to do that from time to time a typical typical unis match for the most for the most thing um i, I don't know Waki, if you mentioned the the two nice carries he had i didn't i it, it's gotten the point i just sort of leave them out because he does them but yeah. they're important to mention so can you describe this one the one that was really nice i think there was like so there's a guy chasing him to his left and then another another midfielder tries to come by and scoop the ball off of him, and just yeah. he Eunice did him. Is, yeah, yeah, he did him. Eunice's close control is so good; he puts the ball basically just like under his body. Yeah, exactly. And, and then brings it out seamlessly and just continues on. Like, <laughs> and he's right, he's dribbling at full speed. And the guy's right. coming at him, and he's like, "I'm just going to tuck this under. Nope, you're going to come on by me, and I'm just going to keep doing exactly what I was doing." Yeah, so I mean, just just typical unit stuff, like you said, but it's it's always nice to see and just to mention him, and it it just seems that you know he's gonna have full reign under Gattuso to to just be Eunice Musa, and that's the yeah. best news you could ever want. Yeah, and there's always gonna be a little bit of a come down from that five one win over Getafe last week. You know, you can't you can't uh, can't match that every weekend. Weston versus Salernitana. Uh, Juventus drew at home against Salernitana 2-2. Not the result they want. I thought McKinney, so McKinney's come under some criticism here, but I thought he was better in this game than he has been yet this season. Sharper, a little quicker, uh, a little more decisive in possession. Once, I mean, probably the best moment for him in the game was he won a ball over on the right touchline in the 13th minute and played a clever little one-two with uh, Quadrado and then slipped Vlahovic in with the outside of his boot. Um, Vlahovic nice. pr- probably was offside, but it wasn't flagged. And, um, and then he missed the chance. I think he just kicked it over or something. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, so, Bells, I'm happy that you came away from this match the same, the same way that I did. Because when I was listening to the pod on Friday, I, I, was, I was cursing your name. How come? When you, were, when you were talking about his PSG performance. Oh, yeah. He wasn't that, I didn't think he was that good in that game. I mean, he scored a goal. That was good, obviously. But. I mean, he was, I mean what, 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 did he, what did he do? He was, he was fine. The man's ramping up, right? And so you got to take it in, rel- in, in relativity. So like when you, when you think about his match last weekend against Fiorentina, Mm-hmm. Where he like had twenty passes in ninety minutes, versus uh, the PSG half where he comes on, scores a goal, uh, applies clamps to Neymar, and has twenty twenty one passes in that half, completed nineteen of them, while also making making nice runs to clear out space for Vlahovic to receive the ball in the middle so they can progress it. It's just like like to me in that PSG match. Um, Weston had his, he had his bounce back, hmm. you okay. know, like, like, like against Fiorentina, he just, it was kind of blah from him, but you could, but you could see it 
you can just see it a little bit a, a little bit more in this match. I mean, in the PSG match, and I think he he built off it a little bit more against Salah Natana, and with, with Weston, it's just it's just that thing of man. He ha- he has to be in a rhythm. Um, I don't know if y'all have heard his interview on the Crack Podcast, but he kind of he kind of laid it out. He was like, man, I have to for for him to be at a hundred percent Weston, he has to like play. He has to play to get there. He has to play through his mistakes. He has to feel like he's trusted by the manager mm-hmm. in order to in order to reach that top form. And yeah, so we we're we're seeing big time moments from Weston. Um and we're also seeing some bad too. Like like the this Sour Natana game was not all good, without a doubt. Um and the uh the reaction to his performance was there was not a consensus. Some people were not not very happy. We should say because there there were mistakes. My my theory for that was he got beat on the first goal a little bit. The guy yeah. beat him down to the end to get the cross off, and that soured some people. And then they're gonna miss you know a bunch of good things he did in the game, like he did a bicycle attempt that was really good, and some bu- bunch of other stuff <laughs> moving around. And then another thing with Weston McKinney is he just always kind of divides opinion. So the, there were people watching this game saying he was out of shape, and then other people it would be like two tweets later that show up if you search his name talking about how he's just running all over the place basically doing shuttle runs out there so he's yeah. a, he's an enigma and he's always going to be like that for people particularly for the juventus fans i think that's true I, I, he, it seemed like he you know he got beat 1v1 on the goal but i mean he allowed a cross through a tiny window after quadrado got eliminated out wide i don't i, I guess he could have done better there of course he could have done better but right. it's not an egregious thing i mean he's yeah, it, it's not egregious, and especially no. when you see that the dude that scored the goal was just like running to the back post. It's like, bro, you you park you park somebody right there in that back post. That cross is dealt with, you know. Yeah, it it is what it is. But I mean, yes, he he could have he could have done better um, defending one on one. Juventus fans are getting upset because they're they're not winning games, and um, you know, I there was some whistling at at Wes when he kicked a cross over the goal towards the end of the game, you know, about 15 minutes before he got subbed off. Right. And, and I would like to say that cross was absolutely ridiculous. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy. He's got to do a little better there. And, <laughs> but, you know, I think that's just a more a reflection of the general frustration at like a toothless Juventus attack. And I think there's, there's some reason to be worried, you know, Wes always, Wes always wins over his managers and he's obviously won the trust of Maxi Allegri. Yeah, but uh, who knows how long Allegri is going to be there? So it might the process might have to start over again. Yeah, I think it was mostly frustration that they didn't win the game, and then there was some some lack of precision in the attacking third from him. That if he had done one or one thing, had gone a little differently, then it would have the impression of his game would be very different. He was doing a like like mostly for Juve or whatever. He's like he's like out wide playing like right mid you know what i'm saying maybe not doing too not getting involved as much in the build-up but i feel like he was dropping in quite a bit in this match i agree and yeah and, mo- and mostly doing well yeah it seemed like as the game played out in late in the second half he was increasingly out wide but first half especially right. he was he was getting in the middle of the field a lot one more Even- thing i just wanted to say about Eunice real quick is you know we've talked about his fitness issues uh, did bringing up Weston's fitness uh, made me think about it. Talk about how like he gets gassed around like the seventieth or whatever. And Gattuso, <laughs> Gattuso just seems like he's gonna he's gonna get it out of him one way or another. He's just leaving him in there. Yeah, he's like I'm not I'm not using a sub on a midfielder. I'm just you you play ninety minutes. You, you know I like that. I like it too. One thing I do appreciate about Weston's time at Juve is they tend to leave him in the game. Like he is, he plays a lot of minutes once he's in there, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not getting the, yanked at the 60th minute very often. For all the criticism of him, and like you know, maybe the fan base isn't completely sold. Allegri loves Weston McKinney. He plays him all the time, as soon as he can. Sure does. So even after the what, what I really liked was when so that 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 Fiorentina match, right? Weston had a chance. That he passed up, he 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 was basically in on goal, didn't shoot, tried to slip somebody in, really tried to slip nobody in because nobody was open. 
<laughs> he just tried to shoot the ball. And after the after the match, um, Allegri was quoted in an article basically saying like, yo, Weston needs to. I mean, he, he in so many words, he was like, Weston needs to find that dog again. He was like, he has a chance. Um, he's a guy that I believe in, that I believe can score goals. He has to shoot and he has to take that chance. Then he comes on PSG, and we all know what happens. You know, he he had Nuno Mendes covering his head like it was an earthquake drill as he was getting dunked on. But and I don't know. Uh, you 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 guys know me, Weston. I just love Weston so much. He gets me fired up. I do um, agree with you. I do agree with you that he is. There's a there's a relative you know ramping up process going on that is sort of discernible over the last few weeks. And we need that from him. We need him fully ramped up in November. It's coming. Juventus hosts Benfica on Wednesday. So, you know, check that out. Three Eastern, two Central, I believe. Jay Joe Scali. Jay Brooks. Yeah, right. Jay Brooks still hasn't made his debut for Benfica. Ben frickin' Fika. Scali versus Freiburg. What do we got? Oh, he had a near wonder assist off an early corner. You know, corner kind of goes over the field. He back shifts, hit, hits it with his left foot, kind of on the inside of it. Takes a lot off of it toward the back post. Header nearly missed. It was Julian Weigel on the back post, if you can believe that. Oh, what a blast from the past he is. Yeah, and I think he meant it. I think he meant the whole thing. You, I would recommend looking at the little clip if you like weird little physics plays because it doesn't look like the ball should have been able to land as gently as it did. It came to nothing, so it's an unremarkable play. But no, that's not a that's not a statement that checks out. Just because some right. stuff something comes to nothing, it's unremarkable. Yeah, what kind true. of philistine are you? That's true. And then you know, with watching a Scally game, he kind of doesn't get to do most of the fun attacking, but he's becoming a defensive stalwart, in my opinion. Is he? I, it's a, I, it, stalwart is really strong there. It's really strong. But it's sort of the general idea of it. Basically, basically he, doesn't, he does more defending than attacking. Did he put the clamps on? He put the clamps on a couple people. And he didn't, <laughs> he didn't have any real problems out there that I can remember. He kind of seems to be playing himself on the World Cup team. Just by continuing to go out there. Just by showing up. Basically. <laughs> I mean that's what that's what he does every week. I mean, he's, I really he's, softened from defensive stalwart though. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I definitely would not say defensive stalwart because I mean that's a, that's just a synonym for clamps, for just a, a known clamp applier. And I don't, I don't know if Scally's there yet, but he's always in position though. That's the thing. He's there, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> He's, Honestly, he's, it's he's pretty boring way. watching a fullback play soccer. So it's, it's like that we've even said anything about this is to our credit, Dude, I think. I mean, specifically for this team, like uh, Gladbach's midfield is just not good. And it just doesn't help. It just doesn't help anything. It doesn't help Joe, uh, you know, in build up or whatever. He's, he's receiving the ball most of the time in positions where he just has to go backwards. Um. In this game in particular, there was just it, it looked like a Union match. It's a lot of long balls, balls just bouncing all over the place. Um, but he's out there, he's doing his thing, and he has been yet to be to to be exposed by a Bundesliga attacker one on one. And I mean, this is the moment where I would give the stat of how many consecutive games he started if I had it, because it's just incredible the, the consistency he's had in that starting lineup. It's probably you know. It's it's however many games uh, Gladbach has played. So let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six. Six straight in the league. Well, 90% of success is showing up, as they say. Let's, uh, let's move to McKenzie versus Circle Bruges. So um, McKenzie, Mark McKenzie, has started five straight for Genk. And Genk has four wins and one draw over that stretch. The latest was against Union Sangiloise, and he's demonstrating once again. I know you guys are getting annoyed with me saying that. I can't believe how much we hear about this 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 team, this ridiculous team. Why? I, won't, I promise like, I won't say it again. mentioned like five times an episode for the past 20 weeks. 
how is this even possible? We have too many players in this country. We need to get some Americans out of Belgium. <laughs> I had no clue that they existed before Rangers played them in uh, Champions League qualifying too. Like it just just one of the most obscure yeah. Belgian teams. We've never heard of them until three months ago. <laughs> yeah, and now they're ruling our lives. Yep, they're everywhere now. I mean, they're demonstrating. So McKenzie, I think, is demonstrating once again that he's the best center back passer of the ball other than John Anthony Brooks in the player pool. He's just stroking the ball all over the field with both feet. Still a little prone to over-casualness, I think. Slow to rotate onto the dribbler who scored USG's only goal. It's just going to be difficult. It's just going to be difficult to fully trust him as a defender until... I don't know, puts together a stretch of games where there's just none of that. And I, I think the, the, the more troubling stuff is in previous games this season where he's like, you know, dallying on the ball and then gives it away and then there's a big chance for the other team. He doesn't have to do this stuff. He has the technical ability and the, and the physical tools to not do it, but right. he does it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I thought, I thought Greg made a great point on the Friday pod, just about like a floor, you know, just, just the floor of our backups. Cause you know, I've been on the James Sands train, but, but, but I can't sit here and argue with you that he's, that he's necessarily providing a good floor. Like this man's giving you like two, three mistakes a game. Some, some have went unpunished. Uh, some have, but yeah. Are man, you talking about I, McKenzie I, or Sands or both? Well, I'm just making a, a point in general. Okay. Just especially at the center back position. I, I think you want floor before upside, without a doubt. Yeah. Like if, if they're called in, you know, we need some people that we know that are just going to do a job. You know, no so, nonsense. I mean, so Cameron Carter Vickers, basically. Basically. I mean, the floor. He is, he is the floor. He is a floor, you know? Right. He is a, a floor, a, a wall, however you want to look a at nice it. Floor, a nice floor. A nice solid floor. If we got. CCV, Mark McKenzie, whoever coming into a World Cup match, you know it's 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 probably time to lock it down, you know. And we don't need no we don't need no bozoness. Mm-hmm. We just need some some solid headers, <laughs> boot the ball away, all that. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is McKenzie does. I mean, the the way he can strike a ball, which is really a pleasure to watch him strike a ball with either foot. He's and his, you know, his, like, he, in a one, in like a shoulder to shoulder battle, he's gonna often win. So, like, he does offer a, a huge upside, I think, at center back. And he has since he was like 19, since he was playing with the U20s. But yeah, the floor is, the, the, the floor, I don't know where the floor is with him. You know, it could be, you know, it could be two game losing mistakes in a World Cup game. I mean, that seems very, very plausible. So. Yeah, but yeah, basically the the floor is you know uh, what he did against Mexico. You know, right. I, I, it just seems like he has he has yet to fully get get that out of his game. Right, but 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 still a top tier talent. And also, he did play the rest of the, that game decently well. I guess opinions vary, but <laughs> well, he also got worked one more time in that the first half of that Nations League final. But yeah, yeah, he's gonna be fun to watch his career. I just. Um... Yeah, just worry about him playing in the World Cup in two months. What about Shaq Moore? Vince, you got a good look at him this weekend. Yeah, I just wanted to check in because, number one, I saw a tweet. It, it came from a Nashville fan. So, you know, I, I guess I, I needed to take it with a grain of salt. But still, um, he was saying that Shaq Moore has been, like, the best right back in the MLS since he's, since he's made the move over. So I checked in on their game this weekend against the Galaxy. And he was he was fine. He he didn't do anything crazy. Uh, he was defensively uh, responsible. Um, okay on the ball. I mean, re- really nothing nothing too crazy. It, him and him and Joe about the same this week. A lot of back passes, whatnot. Re- really, I have no more. <laughs> After watching this game, I do not I do not have any added clarity on on our backup right back situation. We we don't have a huge supply of extremely exciting and talented attacking fullbacks we do not 
It felt Which like I it guess might. It's probably true for most nations. You kind of you're gonna have a few guys like Serginho who can do stuff, and then a bunch of guys you you know are just like solid uh, fullback type type people. You know, if we don't have Serge, is it worth putting any of these backup right backs into the into the uh, attacking group of five? And probably not. Probably right. not. Yeah. Um, so. Also, just from watching this match, I saw Walker, Walker playing, and he was good. Um, I think he gave up a pin at the very end of the match on a handball that was, you know, it was just one of those calls where it's like, this is going to be a handball unless I cut off my forearm. I got to confess, I haven't done a great job keeping up with Walker Zimmerman. Is he basically still a starting center back for us? I think so. Every every time I've watched him, he's looked good. He's looked good, and and the thing is, the his work on the ball is just greatly improved. I don't know if we. I mean, we probably never thought he would be this guy, but he's just splitting lines all the time, just casually now. And we know, we know he's he supplied Pulley with that ball over the top against Morocco. Um, they they broke the game open there, but uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Walker's Walker's still that dude, I think, and um, he's just also just very active in and around the box. Like as soon as somebody receives the ball, like at the top of the eighteen, like he's there, and the, and that's where I saw like Shaq Moore being defensively responsible because he was he was quick to pinch in and cover that space that Walker was vacating on the right side. Um, so yeah, just interesting. I I just say yeah, get all these guys in camp. Well, I guess Serge is going to play the minutes. Just Greg, get get these guys in camp and decide who's the backup right back. I'm I'm partial to Scali, I think. Good, good. I, I really there, there, there's not much. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. You're partial to Scali. You're partial to Scali. You hear that, everybody? If you want to get this the money review delivered to your phone every week, and get the historic recaps, we're about to publish one about the 2002 win over Mexico. Uh, and get access to the Discord and the live call-in shows that we're going to do over the next couple months. Join the Patreon patreon.com forward slash scuffed eric williamson vince tell us what tell us what happened with him this weekend and what's the what more importantly what's the you know what what's his situation situation um i guess the situation is that he can sneak in on the world cup roster as like a fourth a fourth eight um and so i just wanted to check in to see how how he was playing, you know, we got we got a, a Timber fan on the Timbers fan on the on the pod, on the pod, Jesus, on the Discord that's that's very pro Eric and wants to see him included. And and shoot, I, like I was pro Eric, I, I am pro Eric. Now I think about it, but you know we've had some more eights uh, arrive during qualifying during the time that Eric was out with the the torn ACL, unfortunately, but. You know, he went 84 minutes against uh, Minnesota. Um, put in a nice performance. A couple nice switches. A few dribbles in the midfield, stepping past some guys. Um, just active. He seems, he, he definitely seems like plug and play as far as like an all action eight. And the, and the type of eight that I like, you know, uh, one that can, that can give you a little dribble here. You know what I'm saying? Can step past a guy if they need to. Um, I don't know. As, as far as as far as eights um, in our national team pool, I would take him over Kellen Acosta, without a doubt. Kellen Acosta never inspires me. Oh, oh. I'm, as an eight, I was not as an eight. It's a crucial. As an eight, I was as an eight. Distinction. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because as, as a six, eight. as a six, Kellen's got to be the backup for Adams still, right? I mean, that's without a doubt. Yeah. There's well, not an alternative. I don't that I'm aware. There is. Of there is. No, there is no alternative. No. All right. Well, we'll see if Williams is in the camp. Williamson's in the camp. I mean, it should have been Johnny Soccer as the alternative, but I don't know what he's doing. He's should apparently. We, he's, are we supposed to be watching a, him? He's, we're doing. We are supposed to be watching him, but we're not. He's apparently having a pretty good season so far, right? Okay. Well, I know. The last I saw, the last game that Daniel Smith tweeted, he came off. Uh, Injured, like on a stretcher or something. Um, oh boy! Let me see. Is he back? September tenth. 
when was that? He's the hardest player to follow in the world, Johnny Soccer. I'm, I'm, I mean, he's really not because I, no, I, like I logistically, actually, it's not hard at all. It shouldn't be hard, but there's something about him. He's like I actually ghost. just found out this weekend that the uh, that uh, Brazil's league is on Paramount Plus. I didn't know this, but now I'm gonna watch Sao Paulo every week. That's my Brazilian team, just because I got a friend from Sao Paulo. I guess but, you're gonna uh, add a whole you're gonna add a whole another soccer game to your watch schedule. Yeah, I got time. I feel, I just feel like he needs to put himself a little more squarely in the picture before we go and watching another soccer game because it's a lot of soccer games. That he was so on. bad in the Olympic qualifying tournament. It's hard to it's hard to forget. I think Daniel should tell us when when it's time to start watching. Yeah, Daniel, when is it? Tell yeah. us when it's time to start. The 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 thing is, uh, I I thought that game that he came off on the stretcher, uh, it it, it kind of seemed like it was getting to that point, but but he's back now. He went sixty minutes this weekend against uh, C U I A B A. I'm not gonna pronounce it. I don't, I don't okay. Des got no minutes against Sampdoria, which raises our hopes that he'll start on Wednesday in Champions League at home against Dinamo Zagreb. No minutes for Ledesma in a tight 1-0 win over Walwijk for PSV. And then, or Walwick, I don't know how to pronounce it. No minutes for De La Torre as Celta Vigo got trucked by Atletico Madrid. So I think that about covers it. Uh, Alex Mendes plays this afternoon in the Portuguese First Division. I'll probably be watching that. Anything else, guys? Anything else, guys? Yep, I will. Um, uh oh, Jordan Morris had an assist this weekend. Oh yeah. An a couple a nice one, right? Uh and, and set up a nice shot too. Um are you giggling yeah, nice. over there? It was yeah. Uh, who? Yeah, you. Me? Oh yeah. no, never me. Uh <laughs> yeah. It, it was it was not nah, for real. For real though. It it was a decent assist. He got out and uh he got out, got it get, was able to basically chase a ball down. Ran past a, I think it was a fullback. Ran past a dude. Um, basically got to the Man City zone, cut it back to Rui Diaz goal. So, yeah, we'll probably see him. Interesting point. Some people were pointing out on Twitter that Seattle had Leva and Atencio in the midfield that game. That they they beat Austin three to zero. So maybe Suppos- maybe we're seeing a, a Leva resurgence here. I don't know. Yeah. So supposedly Leva's been balling. Since well, ever since, like all of uh, Seattle Sixes have gotten injured, like Obed's out for the year. Jao Paulo got Obed's hurt. out uh, for the year. Yeah, yeah. I think they they announced that they they're just not going to bring him back. Interesting. Okay. The man got a stress fracture in his back, bro. <laughs> like, I don't. We we should probably leave that alone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he's he's what seventeen or whatever sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just just let him chill. Let him chill. Well, it's it's going to be fun. It's nice to have a World Cup coming up. Don't don't get me wrong, but it'll be nice back like when we get on the other end of the World Cup and we can just sort of take a more bro- a broader approach to the player pool. Yeah, because that's I'm kind of looking forward to this World Cup being over. It's getting to be a little bit of a drag. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's too much, you know. Let's let's I let's relax a little bit and just like I really enjoyed when it was three years out. And you could just be like, what if, you know, what if Richie Ledesma? Yeah. 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 You could just say, you could just say basically anything. Wow. Very soon we get to do that again. And I'm, I'm excited. Um, I also want to mention. Cause we're uh, doing this for the next 30 years. Yeah. We'll be here. Right. <laughs> uh, I want to mention, uh, Daniel Edelman. Oh yeah. U20 fame. He has, uh, he has claimed a spot in the Red Bulls midfield. That's pretty like remarkable. Yeah. Right. He started one, two, three, four, five, six straight games. Six straight games for the Red Bulls. And, uh, you know, if you let Foot Mob tell it, he's been good. And, yeah. and the people that, that watch that are on the Discord have also said he's been good. Uh, and I was, I was pretty impressed with him in, uh, where are we at? Costa Rica? Honduras? I think, yeah, it was Honduras. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I was impressed with him there. And so to see him doing his thing at the moment, I mean, he's getting, he's getting more time than any of these, uh, anybody else that was on that team. 
Also, yeah, that's cool. Also announced today that the U.S. women's national team will play Spain on October 11th. So that makes the European swing a two-game swing. They're going to play at Wembley against England on October 7th. Uh, it's coming right up. And then, then the World Cup next year, a U-20 World Cup, which Daniel Edelman might get to play in, and um, the Women's World Cup. So plenty of soccer coming up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you.